0: Welcome back, podcast patrons, to another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. This is episode 162, and the season of the guests keep on rolling on. We've got on today's podcast, the ever-popular Instagram account, The Birds and the Teas, and that is Miss Kat. She is joining us on today's episode. We're going to talk a lot about her upbringing in golf, uh, how she had an absolutely crazy year, which consisted of moving from Detroit, Michigan, to Charleston, South Carolina, one of my favorite cities in the world, getting married, keeping up with her golf game, keeping up with her Instagram account. Um, She actually worked in social media. Amazingly, she lived in St. Louis for seven years, uh, hometown of my St. Louis Cardinals. Unfortunately, she's a Detroit Tigers fan, so we get into that a little bit. We talk some Muni golf. We talk hotheads on the course, just everything and anything that has to do with Instagram golf. She is a great and kind of fresh voice in the entire golf space that is out there. So definitely go on Instagram, check her out at the birds and the tees i uh, want to give a shout out to Tiger Hoods for our intro as always. And then our number one sponsor, Eagles and Arrows. Go check them out at Eagles and Arrows CO on Instagram as well as eaglesandarrows.com on the world wide web. So without any further ado, please welcome my guest, Cat of at the birds and the Tees. Podcast with Dan and Scott. How does God podcast whether you like it or not? French
1: from back in the day, when that's a play at the park. Seven PM on special where they played after dark. From the birds to the focus, to the losses in the wind. Welcome podcast, patrons to the show, leave the pen. Get busy golfing or get busy dying. How does God podcast I the
0: swing ain't lying? Leave the pen. If you're listening to Leave the Pen Podcast, which I know you are you know we got to talk about Eagles and Arrows. In 2022, Eagles and Arrows is going in a completely different direction with some great customizable gear. They are doing patch hats that are unlike anything else out there in the market. Anything that you can think of, anything that you want to design and put on a hat, Grant at Eagles and Arrows has got you. Now, they're not going away from all their tried and true traditional stuff, the super soft t-shirts, the premium cabretta leather gloves, the valuable pouches, everything that you know of and love for the quality of Eagles and Arrows is still available. This is just a new entry into the marketplace. I'm going to tell you what, Grant does it better than anybody else out there. Go to Eagles and Arrows CO on Instagram. That's Eagles and Arrows Co. on Instagram. DM Grant or go to www.eaglesandarrows.com. Send him a message. Any type of product, big or small, any type of job that you need done with patches grant has got you you want to get stuff for a team you want to get stuff for a tournament you're running maybe for a buddy's trip the turnaround times astronomically quick grant's quality is honestly to die for there's no one out there that cares more about the product than him as always we couldn't be happier to have him as a sponsor as well as the entire eagles and arrows brand so live life love golf get to eagles and arrows Get whatever you need pronto. Kat, how's everything going?
1: It's great. How are you?
0: I am real good. I'm Honestly, I'm super excited to kind of finally get some time to sit down and chat with you a little bit.
1: I know. It's kind of crazy. We've been talking like online for close to two years. It's getting there. I think I started my page in May of 2020. So lots of back and forth on Instagram. Now we're getting a kind of pseudo in real life. Chat.
0: Yeah, kind of like a COVID chat. <laughs>
1: yes. Use a lot of Skype and Zoom and every other iteration of video and voice calling in the last two years.
0: For sure. Um, so look, I know we have a lot of listeners and a lot of our Instagram followers that also follow you, and vice versa. There's a big kind of you know cross contingent there, which is which is awesome. Um tell the people a little bit about why and how you started your golf page.
1: Yeah, so my interest in golf actually goes about back about 10 years. I have a business degree, and 21-year-old me thought that I'm in business. I should learn golf. Uh, so I actually got golf clubs as a graduation gift, but then I moved from Michigan back to St. Louis, where I went to school, and I didn't know anybody that golfed. So my clubs mostly sat in my closet for the better part of four years until I moved back to Michigan and I decided to take a group lesson to try and meet people. Um, And so I took lessons for the first time back in 2015, played in a senior ladies league every week for that entire summer. Um, And then same thing kind of fell off, didn't have a lot of people to play with. And then a few years ago when I met my now husband, he is a big golfer, um, had played since he was a teenager, actually played a year of collegiate golf And so we started going out and I really wanted to work on getting better. It was something we could do together. And then, spring of 2020, as everyone knows, COVID hit. And there wasn't a lot of things that you could do, Uh, especially in Michigan. We got hit really hard. So, golf was literally one of the only things you couldn't go to restaurants, you couldn't do movies, you couldn't do a lot of the outdoor stuff, even that Michigan is known for in the summer. So, I was golfing multiple times a week, we bought a practice net for me to hit into in the backyard. And I started the page originally as kind of an accountability project. It was something that would make me go practice because as much as I really wanted to get better at golf, golf is a frustrating game. And if you are like me and really competitive, (laughs) that can be sometimes hard to deal with. I told Shane, my husband at the time that I don't think I've ever worked this hard at something and still (laughs) sucks.
0: Yeah, I I, believe me. I understand that. But I think that's the amazing thing with golf is because, you know, even as amateurs like you and I are, we feel one day like we've conquered the course or or at least we've conquered our game. And then the next day it can completely leave us. And then we're grinding for the next two weeks to search for it and try to find that feel that we had You know, when it felt like we could conquer the world.
1: Oh, yeah. And then, you know, you put your short game together. You're feeling great. All the putts are going in. And then your driver leaves you. And you're like, okay, cool. And then the next week, it's the other way around. It's like, I can't put together a solid hole to save my life.
0: (laughs) It's a a wonder why so many people stick with it. Honestly. I mean, it's like like an exercise in insanity sometimes.
1: I guess it quells the insanity that we deal with in the real world. It's a little more fun than the real world, most days.
0: Oh, yeah, a lot more fun. <laughs> so I listen, will say... I, I, oh, go ahead. Well, I was, I was going to say, you've got to tell me about this Senior Women's League that you were in, because I've had experiences playing in a men's Senior League, and I don't mean like seniors. So we had a house down in North Carolina as well, and it was in a retirement community. And... <laughs> my three playing partners in my first round were all over 75 years old <laughs> and they were like oh my son's older than you I'm like oh okay cool you know uh, or hey my grandson is almost your age I was like oh okay
1: bringing down the average
0: <laughs> yeah for sure so uh, how do I mean Obviously, they left a great impression on you, right? Because you kind of really dove headfirst into the game. Tell us a little bit about that experience with those ladies.
1: Yeah. I, so when I took lessons for the first time, I decided to take a group lesson because it was a little less intimidating than going one-on-one with a pro and having that pro stare at you while you swing and try to figure this out. So <laughs> yep. my class was me and four other women who were probably 30 years older than me. They're probably in their uh, mid-50s. And they all knew each other. It was two friends, one of the friend's sister-in-laws. I forget how the other one was connected, but they all knew each other. And then they knew a bunch of ladies that were playing in this league. And where we took lessons was right next to this little nine-hole course that was close to – our house and that's where they played and so the course was like four weeks it was like two days a week for four weeks and then when it was done they were like hey we have this league that's starting up you know would you want to play we need one more and I was like sure and I don't think anybody in that league was over 70 maybe they were I'm not great at judging ages but I was definitely youngest by like 20 years (laughs) and it was really funny because i always walked i didn't do the cart i don't know why um but most of the ladies would cart and i would walk and they all told me i was nuts looking back i kind of was because at that point i only had a cart bag so oh. I,
0: <laughs> wait did you okay, have did you did you have like a cart at all like a push cart or you were hauling around this this travel bag i
1: was Crawling around this travel bag. And I didn't know any better. I didn't know that it was supposed to be a cart bag only or that, like, you could have the one. Like, my bag now has the backpack strap so I can carry sure. it.
0: Sure. Yep.
1: But I didn't know, and none of the other women walked, so I had no idea why they all thought I was completely insane. Now I know why.
0: <laughs> yeah, they probably thought you were Wonder Woman.
1: I was like, what? It's not that heavy. And you know, it's only nine. I don't think I, I've never played 18 carrying that bag because when I started dating my husband, he saw me do this and he was like, wait, what? You've been
0: carrying that <laughs> That's a good man right there. That is a good man.
1: So he actually, my Christmas present a couple of years ago was my current bag.
0: Very so. nice, very nice. Now you had mentioned that, so you're from Detroit. We'll talk about how kind of, golf mad Michigan is because of the short window that they really have. But you lived in, what were you doing in St. Louis for seven years? Because St. Louis is very near and dear to my heart.
1: Yeah. You and your freaking Cardinals. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I went to St. Louis university for my undergrad and then I started my career there. So I lived there for an additional three years. Um, My first weekend in St. Louis after college um, was when they won the 2011 World Series. So oh, wow. it was kind of cool. I was unpacking my apartment. I can hear, and I lived right downtown. Um, so like the opposite end fra- on 4th Street, where Bush Stadium is, I lived next to where the Edward Jones dome.
0: Oh, was. for so sure. Yep, yep, yep. Right
1: there, could hear it. And my college roommate had moved, had lived across the river and she called me and she's like, they won, we're going out, let's go. And I mean... I am a Detroit Tigers fan. Um, The last time that the Cardinals had won the World Series was actually beating the Tigers. Um, And I'm like, kind of still bitter about it. But being in that city when they won, you had to go out. And it was so much fun. And even as I lived there, it was cool to be able to walk to a Cardinals game. And uh, especially like the afternoon games where they... If you, I think it's like the sixth inning, they'll open the gate, and if there's capacity, you can go and sit and watch. Yep, yep. that was super cool that experience.
0: Yeah, it's a super open air experience as it leads out to Ballpark Village. There, it's just uh, I mean, they you know, look, the rest of the city is, is nothing to uh to kind of um prop up as as great. Uh, you know, I don't think it's the greatest thing to lead the U.S. in murders per year, uh, but that area around Bush is fantastic
1: yeah it was really cool they actually when i went to school ballpark village had not been built yet it was supposed to be built but when i was a freshman in college it was a softball field and then they broke down and ended up building that whole complex
0: yeah and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger each year they just keep adding to it which is which is nice
1: yeah it's definitely cool to see that area grow and maybe the fun will expand into other parts of the city
0: Poss- possibly, other parts of the city have their own idea of fun. <laughs> true, this is true. <laughs> um, so this might sound sacrilegious, but and I so we go out every year uh, to a Cardinals homestand. We stay at um, oh shoot, what is the the hotel right across the street from Bush? We literally walk right there.
1: Uh,
0: the uh, Hilton. Yes, it's the Hilton there, the red brick one. Um, yeah. But I have never brought my clubs and played in and around St. Louis. So at that time, were you playing at all? Did you Have you played in and around St. Louis or no?
1: I went with a coworker shortly before I moved from St. Louis. I went with a coworker who played to the course that's in Forest Park. And we did a range session and then played a few Twilight holes. But that's my only time that I golfed in St. Louis.
0: Okay, so at that point in time, you, you're you back to Detroit, back in Michigan. Um, now, everything I've heard, I've never played in Michigan either, but everything I've heard, and, and I, actually from following you when you were still there, kind of gave me an idea of how golf-rabid society is in Michigan and, and other northern states like that, too. Minnesota's another big one where the winters come very quickly and the playing season is very short and the courses mm-hmm. are mobbed. Um what can you tell us kind of about that in and around Detroit, the the playing season? And, and what are the courses like out there?
1: So it's they've always been kind of crazy. Obviously, the last two years, it's complete insanity. <laughs> like my, uh, my husband played a couple, no, last summer. And a course that I won't name because I want to rag on them, but they're known for overbooking and for slow pace of play. They sent a group of eight off ahead of my husband and his friends and not like two foursomes off i meant like a group of eight people who had no idea what they were doing but it was covid time and they didn't have anything else to do so they went to this course and they let them go off
0: just stacking that t-sheet
1: yeah so you have courses that are like that that are kind of more just about the money grab like they'll book everybody they'll put them four minutes apart And then they don't even really maintain the course. Um, So that's kind of a a bummer in some cases. But then you have courses that are beautiful, are challenging, are very well maintained. Uh, I actually got to go up to Grand Traverse Resort for my birthday weekend this year. And we were supposed to play twice. But Mother Nature had other ideas. Uh, There's actually a couple videos on my page from this trip. We played the Wolverine course at grand traverse and we were supposed to have an 11 a.m tea time and the night before we're looking at the radar and our friend that was with us called the clubhouse and he's like hey can we get off any earlier and they're like we can send you off at 6 45 a.m and he's like all right do we do it and i'm like let's do it we can make this happen (laughs) so we did get through the course we were completely drenched but it was actually really fun uh, because the course it at certain points it overlooks some vineyards and then you can kind of look out and it's just like these rolling hills and it's beautiful and there were holes that were definitely super tough but then there was a couple par threes that were really just fun to play on so there's definitely a wide variety of courses one that I still have not played that I really want to go to is Arcadia Bluffs Mm. Uh, yeah it's Beautiful. My husband has played it and they actually opened a new course up there a couple years ago. Um, And from what I hear, it is not as tough as the original course, but it is very pretty.
0: Sure. They've got a lot of money to put into a new course as well. So it should be nothing short of amazing.
1: Yeah. So that's something that was last year. Shane had told me, We'll get you a little bit better before we take you to Arcadia, just because it's right on Lake Michigan. So you get the wind, and depending, like a day like we played at Grand Traverse, it would almost probably look like some of the European courses when you get it coming off the ocean and it's just spraying. Yeah. Yeah, I think I need to go to 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 Costco and buy a box of Kirkland balls that I know I'm going to (laughs) lose. And then just kind of go with it and expect my ego to come back a little bit bruised.
0: Yeah, that ups the, ups the trouble factor a lot when you've got those types of conditions.
1: Yeah, but there's like there's really cool things. And then there's definitely a lot of courses around Detroit that are city owned. So like you guys were talking about municipal courses a couple episodes ago. Sure. There there's not really any 18 holes that were directly near my house, but there were a couple of nine holes. And you guys talked a lot about like, those are great courses for learning. There's one in particular that was by my house that is pretty much the perfect course for beginner golfers to just go and get a feel for everything that you will see on a course. It's several par threes, a couple par fours, and then one par five. And so one of my girlfriends who was just learning to play, she and I over the past summer, every Tuesday, we would go for twilight golf. And sometimes it'd be a little busy. Sometimes it wouldn't be. And there'd be times we could just have her hit um, or I could work on my short game with something that I really worked on this year. And that was a great asset to have because then when I did go play 18, I had a better feel for what I'd worked on and the areas that I knew I should still be focusing on.
0: Yeah. I absolutely love that. I mean, I, I personally feel that nine hole courses are so underbuilt, underutilized, underappreciated because there's, you know, like your your journey into golf is awesome, right? Like it starts off like most people as a complete novice, a beginner, right? Carrying around a, a cart bag for nine holes <laughs> uh, to the point where you get so hooked on the game that you're now an Instagram personality. You know, you've got people viewing, commenting, wanting to know what you're doing in the game. And you're no different than than anybody else. And you started on those types of courses and, and you started a little bit older in life for golf. I did as well. Um, But even more so for young kids to go out and not be intimidated at, you know, these ultra posh private or semi-private courses. I think, you know, munis have their place and I, I think they need to have a bigger place in the golf landscape. That's, you know, that's my opinion.
1: Oh yeah. The Charleston municipal course, is actually only about 10 minutes from my house. I have not gotten to play it because it is always booked. Um, and part of that reason is the city of Charleston in from 2020 into last winter, the course was closed. They did a $3 million renovation on it to make it nicer and more welcoming. And that's probably part of the reason that it's so busy is everybody wants to see what this went into. and. There's a couple holes that when I do play I'm going to be a little bit scared because there is a main road that yep. <laughs> runs in the middle of it. And I will admit that there are times that I have a bit of a slice and I really don't want to take out somebody's windshield. <laughs>
0: so, yeah. It, it uh it's it's Maybank, right? That Yes. Yeah. Okay. So like Kat was saying, Maybank, Maybank Highway literally intersects the course. There's like a few holes on one side, the majority of holes on the, the left side. Uh, well, if you're going south, that is. Um, and, you know, there's some big live oaks there, but there's not like a lot of foliage that is going to catch an errant ball <laughs> from going on no. to the road.
1: I also think about it when I'm driving on the road. If I see, if I'm driving towards that one tee box and I can see someone on there, I'm like, please don't hit me. Because there's, I mean, the other thing with like unique courses is like you see players that aren't as experienced and don't necessarily have the ball control. And so I'm sure one of these days I'm going to see a golf ball on that road. As long yeah. as it doesn't hit my car, I'm fine.
0: Right. And a lot of times those courses and that lamb was there before those roads were put in. So, you know, it's Muni owned, but, you know, the, Township owns the roads as well. So they're going to kind of do whatever they want. And if it intersects the course, then it intersects the course. Not like these private courses where, you know, the land is there, the land is their own, and nothing can be built in and around it. You know, if the township wants to take control, the city wants to take control or annex a certain area for road construction, they're going to do it.
1: Yeah. And when that course was built, Maybank was not nearly as busy as it is now. Cause right now, like Maybank is one of the only ways to get onto John's Island, which is where I live. And there's a lot of development going on around us, but for the longest time it was farmland and then how you got out to Kiowa and Seabrook. There wasn't a ton of traffic going down there. So now as the area has grown, that concern has grown. and I'll be curious to see if they eventually add some kind of like overpass because right now to get from one side of the course to the other, you have to cross Maybank either on foot or in a golf cart. And there's not a lot of breaks in traffic.
0: No, there isn't. And there's just a simple little sign that says, you know, caution oncoming traffic.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Like, oh God, that's going to end badly one day. Hopefully like they'll figure out something. I think they have to, but I've never seen any, I haven't even seen any close calls. So I think people do realize that the course is there. And obviously the golfers know that Maybank is a busy road.
0: Yeah. So we've got to kind of get people caught up to how you got to Charleston, right? Because you came from Detroit. Uh, You've had a super busy year. You moved, you got married, you still found a way to play some golf, which is, you know, wild (laughs) to me. Um, So how tell us a little bit about how that move happened uh, coming from Michigan down to South Carolina.
1: Yeah. So funny story about three months into dating, Shane actually asked me if I would ever consider moving because he had an opportunity through work to possibly relocate. And even though he is from Michigan and has lived in Michigan for the majority of his life, he hates the cold, hates it. (laughs) So when he asked me, I was at the time working for General Motors and remote work was not really a thing at that time. So we didn't move. He stayed in Michigan. We stayed together, obviously. Um, But it's it's kind of always been in the back of our mind of like, well, could we move? And my sister has lived in Charleston for the last five years. She went to law school here. So we came down a few times for vacation. Both decided that we really liked it down here. And then in fall of 2020, we decided, all right, we're going to go down. We're going to spend three weeks, almost a month in Charleston and live and work here not like a vacation but just kind of see do we think we would want to live here and the first weekend we were down here with my sister's birthday we met her friend that was a realtor the next weekend we were looking at houses and I think the second day that we looked at houses we came and saw our new neighborhood that was being built and next thing I know we're putting down a deposit to build a house awesome and yeah so add that to the list not only did we move and get married but we built a house from 900 miles away so 2021 was an interesting year
0: how how stressful was that
1: i might have taken out my stress on a few golf balls
0: (laughs) did you break any clubs
1: i did not break any clubs okay then i did technically kind of break myself (laughs) um I swung the club so much and especially when I first started, I was, I played softball for a long time. So I'm used to swinging harder and I have worked on like using up a little bit, but at, in January of last year, I actually had to go to a chiropractor because I pulled my spine out of alignment. <laughs> so don't recommend doing that. Definitely pace yourself when you're, especially if you're a new golfer, uh, in practicing, but yeah, so took some stress out. And we're back again. And I still have to remind myself to properly stretch after a practice session so that I don't mess up my back again.
0: All healed up now? No limitations in the swing or anything?
1: No limitations. But when I first was diagnosed, I was not definitely not allowed to swing for six weeks. I had to go see the chiropractor once or twice a week. Um, I wasn't even allowed to really do my normal workout. So I did had done Orange Theory for the last several years. Wasn't allowed to do that, wasn't allowed to run. My doctor basically said you can swim laps and do a stationary bike. That's about it. So that's what I did for six weeks.
0: Now you are a runner, right? I mean, would you classify yourself as a runner?
1: Yeah, I'm actually okay. training I'm training for the Charleston Bridge Run, which is in April.
0: Oh, awesome. Oh. Very, very cool. Be exciting. So I was I was gonna ask you, um, I, I guess maybe not ask, but offer up a comment i'm assuming that the flora and fauna and um the views are a little bit better where you are now than in michigan when you're out running
1: um so flora and fauna i realized moving down here that i now have seasonal allergies so that kind of (laughs) sucks but um definitely running through like marshland is very cool when i would run back home or i not allowed to stay back home anymore. My husband yells at me when I call Michigan home, <laughs> but I was running through my neighborhood. So, I mean, it's a fine view, but it's not anything particularly special, but running around here is definitely kind of cool because there's, you know, different birds. I do have to keep an eye out for the gator that lives in our neighborhood.
0: For sure, yep. <laughs>
1: but he, I mean, he mostly just sticks by the ponds and he won't bother you if you don't bother him. Um, and yeah, it'll be cool So the bridge run goes over the Ravenel Bridge, which is the big bridge that spans between Mount Pleasant and downtown Charleston, also goes over the Charleston Harbor. So I'm really excited to run that race. I was actually talking to my sister yesterday because she's running it with me that we need to go do a couple trips because the bridge is like four miles long, but it's a pretty steep incline. So I'm not worried about the distance. I do want to run the bridge a few times before the race, just so I know what I'm getting myself into.
0: Now, is the whole race just four miles or does it start like somewhere in downtown Mount Pleasant and finish in Charleston or is it or the opposite way?
1: Starts in Mount Pleasant, ends in downtown Charleston okay. um, at King and Calhoun, which is a major intersection. Yep. Uh, it's, yep. A, it's a 10K race.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so living down there now, how long have you been down there?
1: We moved the first week in September. So we actually moved down here five days after our wedding. Wow.
0: Wow! (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. We uh, had an interesting, so we drove down to Charleston the week of August 12th. We had our final inspection on the house, the 12th. We closed the following week. We drove back on Saturday, the 21st. We're home for like two days. Drove to the other side of the state of Michigan to get married. We're there for a week, drove back, and then drove to Charleston with a moving truck.
0: Yeah, that's a, it's a pretty damn good road trip.
1: <laughs> I think so. Usually, my dog loves car rides. By the time we got down here, he's like, I don't want to get in that thing. I'm over <laughs> it. He's like, nah, not into it.
0: I'm going to pick your brain a little bit on Charleston as not only a golf hotspot, but obviously a food hotspot, hospitality hotspot. I mean, uh, you know, most people that listen to this podcast know it is hands down my favorite city in the world. Uh, we're usually there once or twice a year, sometimes more, sometimes less depending, but just kind of on average, uh, you know, we love it. Our our kids love it. My dog's name is Charleston. Okay. I mean, that's, uh, if that tells you anything, um, So let's go, and I know this is hard because it puts you on the spot, but let's go with top three, all right, of the following. What are your top three favorite courses that you've played down there so far?
1: Ooh. um, All right, these won't be in a particular order.
0: Yeah, no particular order. Yeah, don't have to rank them.
1: Cougar Point at Kiowa, um, which I think Cougar, I did not get to play Ocean Course this year because it was so busy that I just never got on. I did get to walk it for the PGA uh, Championship, though. But all out of all of those courses, Cougar was my favorite at Kiowa. Um, I really like the Harbor Course at Wild Dunes. And then... Oh. We played Crooked Oaks at Seabrook. And that is a private course. The only way that you're allowed to be on that course is either you live on Seabrook you were a guest of a resident or we got to play it because we did the Charleston golf Passbook, which sadly they are not doing this year. Um, But that was also a really cool course and it was so well-maintained. It kind of spoiled me.
0: Seabrook is a, is a hidden gem there on the other side of Kiowa. And I don't think people realize like, because obviously Kiowa gets all the love because of the ocean course and you know how expensive things are. Um, but like their public beach, like beach Walker park is amazing there. Um, mm-hmm. but Seabrook is even more private and harder to get into than Kiowa is. Oh
1: yeah. It's, I mean, you've got like the gate and they like, it's funny because when you go to Kiowa, you just like say, okay, I've got a tea time at this course and they're usually pretty, <laughs> exactly, like pretty, yes. pretty yes. chill about it. And sh- my husband has joked, he's like, I could pick any time at any course and they probably wouldn't even check versus Seabrook was like, they have your name on a sheet with the tea time and all this stuff. Uh, and one of our friends is actually a supervisor at Ocean Winds, which is the other course that's on Seabrook. And I still haven't, i got to get out there with him at some point because I want to see this course because Crooked Oaks was awesome. So now i got to see the other one.
0: So I'm going to ask you now your, your top three courses that you want to play this year in 2022.
1: Um, that'd be different than the other ones. All right. I guess, I mean, I would choose going back to Cougar Point again, because that was super cool. Um, I have not played Dunes West, which is out in Mount Pleasant, and I don't have like anything to judge this course on other than I have a couple friends that live out there and it looks cool. So I do want to play that more out of curiosity than anything else. Um, I would like to, I'd like to play the ocean course, but they just substantially raised the price.
0: I saw that. Yeah. We'll
1: see. I, I want to play it, but knowing that playing that course once would, I could play courses, several other really nice courses multiple times. It's one of those trade-offs. I haven't decided. We'll see. That might be it. Um, and I want to go back to the links at wild dunes there's a couple holes that i need redemption on because i mostly <laughs> i mostly had a really good round out there but there was like three holes right in a row that i want back so especially to get back, because okay
0: oh, no i was just gonna say to get back to the ocean course um it, it's an awesome experience right it's very cool i mean obviously they treat you like gold you can just Hang around the clubhouse and the locker room all day long, and you know both the men's and the women's are are nicely furnished. Um, but you're right. I mean, it is it is a substantial chunk of money. Like when I played, I think it was only three seventy five. I, I yeah. okay. I say I say only. I, I you know I sound like some elitist now. Oh, it was only three hundred <laughs> But you know, for well, comparatively, a of, yeah, uh, right. Of course, of that caliber. You know, it's for most people, it's a once in a lifetime um, course to play. But I'll tell you, I've had more fun at $20 courses than I did there. Like that was one of the hardest grinds in my life. And the wind was barely blowing the day I played.
1: Yeah. So you're like, all right, I'm, this is cool. And the thing is, too, like I did get to, we walked most of the course when we were there. So obviously that's different than playing it. But, In some ways, it was nice to walk it and really get to appreciate the course as opposed to stressing out about where the hell did my ball go.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, see, so my wife walked with me. Um, I played with two other guys and myself. So it was just a threesome. And they let my wife walk, which was awesome. I mean, she had a blast and took such great pictures, which I'm, you know, forever thankful for. But I think she had a better experience visually of the course than I did. Yeah, cause because your focus
1: was just on the scenery versus the game.
0: Yeah. You know, when we get lunch afterwards and I'm going, oh, like that shot into number five on that green was super tough. And she was like, oh, oh, oh okay. Did you see the gator in the pond over there? I was like, no, no, I, yeah, I didn't because, you know, I'm focused on carrying the water 180 over you know, a pond to a bulkhead.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, 17, we stood there when we were there for the, we went to a practice day for the PGA.
0: Best and- time to go. Best time to go.
1: I would agree. So I've never, I've never been to a PGA event before, but Shane had been, and he actually said the same thing. He said I had more fun at the practice day than I did being there on a Sunday because you see things that you would never see. We saw people practicing on 17. We stood at the eighth hole, uh, which is like an elevated green that slopes yep. really. Yep. Just stood there, watched them toss balls out, toss the dicks out. Got to hear them have like the conversations, and it was just, it was. It's a cool experience that you don't see ever covered. Like, when you're watching golf on TV or even following, you don't see that side of the game. So that was really cool.
0: Right. And there's no other sport that has that type of allowance of fans to be that close.
1: Oh, yeah. It was really cool to be able to see that. Or, like, we stood by the putting green for a solid amount of time, too. Just watching drills that I do. But watching those guys do it and like, on the one hand, it's like positive affirmation of, hey, I do that too. Like, it's kind of cool to see them do it. But just the way that they were able to manipulate the angles and the ball, you're like, okay, that that's where I, I want to elevate my game a bit.
0: Yeah. when Whenever we go, if, if we're going just as fans and not doing media at tournaments, we just spend so much time on the short game area because to see, you know, like, look, I, I know guys that hit. The ball, you know, 335. Yeah, like my, my son averages 295 off the tee and he's 15. But when and you what? yeah, he, well, it's a whole, that's a different podcast. But when you see what these guys and 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 the women, too, can do with the ball from 50 yards and in, I mean, it is just it's it's absolutely mind blowing. And it's at that point in time that you realize that you're not even playing the same game as them.
1: No, they're on a completely different level and it's kind of fun just to see like, all right, well, I'll never be at that level, but I have a vision of, I can get a little bit closer to it.
0: Yeah. And you know, what's, what's funny. One of the things I always find, whether I'm at, like I said, you know, working at a tournament or going as a fan to a tournament, I always, I feel like through osmosis, some of that good golf is seeping into me and I. If I go out and play the next round, like I'm walking a little taller, I'm you know I'm kind of carrying myself as the guys and the, and the women do inside the ropes. I know it doesn't happen, you know. I mean, I know it doesn't help my game at all, but there's so much that you can take just from watching a pre-round routine from a tour pro.
1: I think even if you have golf is such a mental game. If you walk onto the course with that idea of hey, I'm better today, you probably will play better. It's actually funny. So I, this will be interesting to some people. I don't think I've talked much about it on my page, but I stopped keeping score this year during my rounds
0: because I love that. I absolutely love that.
1: Well, remember I mentioned I am very competitive and I had worked really hard and my husband had noticed that when I was keeping score, I would get so focused on okay I'm on track for a birdie I got to make this shot work <laughs> and yep. that is when I would send my chip not not close to the pin like other side of the green sometimes just like over the green Welcome and to the club Yeah and so and then you know I get kind of feeling down and frustrated and I wasn't really having fun and he's like just hit don't think about the score don't think about how many shots it is just focus on your swing and where you want the ball to go. And I don't know what any of my scores were, but I can guarantee they're at least 10 strokes lower than they were last year. If for no other reason, then I reconnected with having fun and kind of let go of the stress. And do I want to keep keeping score again at some point? Yeah, because I want to track myself getting better. But I play golf for fun. I am not going to be on the LPGA or any of the junior tours or anything like that. I don't even know if I really want to enter tournaments. I want to be able to go out with my friends and family and do something that I love on a weekend. And if that's all I ever do is golf, I'm completely happy with that. I think that actually is something that I'm lucky that I'm able to do that.
0: Yeah. I haven't taken it to that extreme of not keeping score, but one of the things that I guess about two years ago really started doing with friends and family that, you know, I play with often is we just play match play. That's it. You know, we keep our own scores, you know, just like you said, to kind of keep a record of where we're at. Am I improving? Am I not? You know, at, at, at this age, at this point in time with how much I play, like I'm not going to improve much more, you know, so I'm happy where my game is and some rounds are better than others. But match play keeps everybody in it. It keeps it competitive for all as long as you kind of, you know, make the stroke differential okay between the two partners or three people that are playing. Um, yeah. You know, I, I truly, be, I never believed it. People are like, Oh, that's the way golf should be played. Like that's how it started. I'm like, oh, I know that I get it, but you know, everything in golf is geared towards stroke play. And that's always kind of thrown down our throats, right? 51 weeks a year, the PGA tour is stroke play. Same thing for the women's, you know, only one mm-hmm. week each year is dedicated to match play. And then you know, if you count the Ryder Cup or President's Cup. But, man, is it so much better when you're out there and, like, you might you might be on your sixth stroke, I might be on my fifth, it might be a par three, but you and I are battling head-to-head just to get a lower score, regardless of what it is in relation to par.
1: Right, and it's it's fun, and like we were saying earlier, I think it's also intimidating because you can go out and, you know, you can learn from other players, you can have fun, and you probably will get better by doing match play because you start to like learn things. Like I have spent a lot of time on putting this year and I have seen results on the course.
0: And that's all you want, right? You just want to see results.
1: Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's the other thing too, is like if you, if you go out and you're not having fun on the course, a lot of courses aren't cheap. Why are you paying that much money if you're not going to have uh. fun?
0: I need you to just, like, say that louder for the people that are tone deaf. Like, I don't <laughs> get when I play with friends and they're pissed off, throwing clubs, smashing things. I'm like, you're paying to be mad. Think about that for a second.
1: And you're smashing equipment that is expensive.
0: That you paid for as well. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Go- oh.
1: The guy that, one, I'm always amazed. The guy that snap. The club's over their knee. One, how does that not hurt? Just, you have to have a bruiser the next day, I swear. Two, you've now wasted several hundred dollars in a span of three minutes. That whole, easy. whole yeah, easy. and then you re- need to replace your club.
0: And if you're you you don't, if you're snapping graphite, you're worrying about those, I mean, you're not worrying because you're in a fit of rage, but you've got graphite shards flying up, you know, steel Irons and wedges are a different story or putters, but, you know, uh, to each their own, I guess.
1: Yeah, I will take playing bad golf on a golf course over most other activities I could be doing on a weekend any day.
0: For sure. The
1: only only one that might beat it would be like boating. That's like my other favorite thing. But I like that.
0: Yeah, I'd I'd much rather play bad golf with good people, you know, than good golf with bad people. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely.
0: Uh, all right. So let's let's kind of circle back to time in Charleston. Give me some of your favorite restaurants down there. Ooh. Okay.
1: It's funny. My husband and I actually have like a ranking going. So when we moved, he was, I gotta find the best fish and chips in Charleston.
0: Okay. a goal.
1: And he, we've had some really good ones. His favorite fish and chips is Ellis Creek, uh, which is this little tiny restaurant. Um, it has like maybe 10 seats inside and then there's plenty of seating outside. It overlooks the marsh, but you either have to get there right when they open um, or you're going to be prepared to wait if you can even get a parking spot. So right. that place is awesome. They also have these really good cornbread hush puppies. They're not good for you at all, but they're delicious.
0: Yeah, you're speaking my language now.
1: And then one of our other favorites is Fleet Landing, which is downtown. It's one of the only waterfront restaurants in the city. And it's kind of funny, there's actually a huge development going up next to it, but they do do a lot of reservations or what we've done a lot of times if we kind of want to go spur of the moment is they close down after their lunch and then they'll open from the bar from four to six So you can go at four and put your name in for a five o'clock slot and then go have happy hour on the bar. And they've got great drinks. Their calamari is our favorite that we've ever had anywhere. Um, And they always have a lot of different fresh fish. They've got specials that are amazing. And it's still one of our favorites, even after all of the other places we've tried.
0: Are you a big barbecue fan?
1: I do – I like barbecue. It's kind of funny, especially because I lived in St. Louis for so long, and barbecue is a huge thing there. And I feel like the barbecue here is like Home Team Barbecue is a very popular one. Um, But their barbecue is definitely different than the Kansas City style. Both very good, though. And Home Team's mac and cheese is the bomb.
0: Okay, because I was going to ask you which you prefer because, you know, most – Barbecue connoisseurs will look to the southeast, right? And then Missouri as kind of the two hotbeds. And, and look, I know there's other states out there, and I'm going to get a DM. And so, gonna, well, what about Texas? Yeah, I understand. Okay, but <laughs> let's, let's be realistic. Like, as far as two defining styles of barbecue, you know, you've got kind of your Kansas City-based uh, you know, uh, with your real kind of barbecue sauce, and then you've got kind of your Southeast with more of your light vinegar-based sauce. So what do you prefer after being in both places for an extended period of time?
1: I think when I was in college, I liked the Kansas City style more. I liked that, like, heavier sauce. I think as I've gotten older and my stomach has gotten more sensitive, <laughs> I appreciate the more vinegar-based. It seems to sit better. Um, but I think overall, my favorite, Happy's in St. Louis is still probably my favorite
0: barbecue place ever. Iconic, iconic.
1: And I might be a little biased because it was right off my college campus and there's a lot of nostalgia there for me, but there's something about like their ribs are the bomb.
0: (laughs) Do you have A a favorite in Charleston or in Charleston area?
1: You know, Home Team is actually really the only barbecue that we've done. We haven't gone to Lewis, which where my, I I work remotely for the most part, but we do have an office in Charleston and Lewis and Home Team in, I guess it's considered Midtown are right next to each other. Okay. But I've only ever, I've only ever gone to Home Team.
0: Gotcha. I don't know why. No Rodney Scotts or Pugins or anything like that yet.
1: Oh no, I guess I'll have to give them a try. I mean, adventure out there.
0: yeah, you, you look, you could eat at a different place every day in and around Charleston and, and be satisfied for an entire year. You know?
1: Oh, yeah. And then and we also have we have a couple of friends that own Revelry Brewing, which is also by home team. And if you have not been, I highly recommend uh, even if people don't drink beer, which I don't. I cannot drink beer. I am allergic to hops. Black gluten, hops. Hmm. Uh, found that one out the hard way. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's a cool, super cool spot. They've actually started doing some ciders, and then they also just have other wines and drinks that you can have if you are not a beer drinker.
0: But it's a cool spot. Very cool. And, and who who are the owners? In case someone's going to head down there, you know, maybe they want to name drop.
1: <laughs> uh, Jay and Sean are the owners, and then. We call him Wags. He's one of my sister's hockey buddies. Um, But Michael Wagner is the general general manager.
0: That's definitely a hockey name.
1: Yes. Actually, she... So, fun fact about my family. Um, I'm the oldest of three. My younger brother and younger sister both play hockey. And my sister plays in four different men's leagues in Charleston because she's a goalie. They don't have a lot of them. But she plays for revelry sponsors, a hockey team. And that's how she met all of them.
0: That is pretty cool. Very cool. So it's a
1: cool way to meet people. And it's amazing how many hockey people are in Charleston. None of them are from here, but they all live here.
0: (laughs) I don't know too many people that live in Charleston that are actually, you know, native Charlestonians.
1: That's very true. Uh, (laughs) A lot of people who live here are not from here. In fact, most of my, I don't think any of my neighbors are even from like the Carolinas. I know no, two of them are Joe from. No, always
0: big Ohio contingent, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut.
1: Got a couple of Baltimore. My neighbor yep. just moved in. Moved from San Diego. Oh wow.
0: Yeah. And that's a that's a lateral movement. You know, that's one great city to another great city. I get that.
1: Yeah, it's probably a little bit cheaper here. I love oh, San Diego, <laughs> but
0: cost of living yeah. out there is a little nuts. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right. Before I get you out of here, let's, let's, let's talk about your page. I'm a, I'm a big fan of puns, the birds and the teas. That's a great (laughs) play on words. Um, were you you surprised that no one had taken that?
1: I was actually, I was really surprised. I was like, well, that's a win. I'm going to take that right now.
0: (laughs) For sure. Um, so give us a little insight, like how, how often do you post? I mean, do you, do you, do you have like a set schedule? Do you say to yourself, "Okay, like I'm gonna go three posts this week"? I know some people say, like, "I'm gonna do two videos and one post." I used to have that mindset. I'm so bad because and the stories have become so easy; it's just so much easier, and you reach so many more people than putting post stuff. and And people say all the time, "How come you don't post anymore?" I'm like, "I do all the time." They're like, "No, that's not a post." I'm like, "Okay, well, I don't care that much." That's the reason, yeah. <laughs>
1: No, that's totally fair. I So my professional background is marketing. And I worked in social media for a long time before I took my current role. And when I started my page, I was in a role at work that gave me a little more freedom in terms of time. So my cadence used to be post every day and kind of keep that cadence, do stories all the time. And then over the last year, I took a new role. Um, which gives me a little more responsibility. And obviously there were a few other things going on in my <laughs> life the last year. So I've kind of been going in spurts where I'll post regularly for a while and then I'll get busy and I'll fall off a little bit. I'm trying to get back into it. Um, one, it's one of those things, but I, because I've been so busy with work, I haven't necessarily been doing as much practicing when I'm not actually on the course. So, you know, I need to, set my net back up and, you know, practice shipping or whatever, and having to create a video is a reason for me to go do that. So right now I do not really have a formal calendar. Um, I do have a note on my phone that if I think of a funny idea for a video or a post, I'll like write it down. But there's probably 20 ideas on that list right now that I have not created just because sometimes at the end of the day, I don't want to look at a screen anymore. I do not want to yeah. look at my phone. I don't want to look at a computer. I don't feel like doing it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I love the interactions with listeners and I love ideas that they have and and I love the feedback. Um, but there are times that I just go days without even looking because I just have no desire. And I you know I told you this when we were talking, you know off air that I used to have all the DMs on my Instagram pushed to my phone so they would pop up. And it got to the point, I'm like, no, there's just, there's way too many. Like, I'm not, and and look, I'm not saying like, oh, there's 50 a day, you know, but 10 or 12 a day, I'm like, gosh, I don't really feel like answering these right now. But in the beginning, I almost felt like I had to, you know, to like build a following up.
1: Yeah. And I think especially, I've seen this with people that I follow or people I know that work primarily in social media that sometimes people you feel obligated to respond and people feel like you should automatically respond because you've set that precedent. But I also think that it's really important to unplug. And I love the community that has been built around my page. I have gotten to talk to people from all over the world. I have people that want to come see me and play a course here. I think that'd be really cool. But I do also have to make sure that I make you know especially i am newly married i need to make time with my husband a priority time with my family a priority and i never want to be on my phone 24/7 that's not healthy for me it's not healthy for my relationships and it's probably not very good for my eyes
0: yeah i've i've always wondered when you see people that have you know new post ups every day and then new stories every day like what what are you doing what do you do for a living or what do you you have around you that allows you to do that? Or are you completely ignoring all of your other, you know, social and and moral duties to your own life?
1: Yeah, I do think it's interesting working in marketing. I've heard people say, oh, influencers have it so easy, they just post to social, yada, yada, yada. And well, yeah, they're working in social media and they're posting, but there is a lot of behind the scenes things that happen to create that page and to build a following. And a lot of times it is a full-time job for them. And before they built a following, they were doing all of that and not making money.
0: So right for free. I always, yep. I,
1: yeah, for free. So I always like take that with a grain of salt. People like saying, oh, it's so easy to be an influencer. Well, no, if you're going to do it and build a valuable following, you have to create quality content. And that does take time.
0: Yeah. And and honestly, in order to monetize, I mean, you need 75 to 100,000 Actual people that interact with you and follow, right? And that's a long time. Like we have just under five thousand. I don't make a cent. No one cares. I mean, and that's taken us like three years of doing this nonstop.
1: Hey, we care. We don't pay you, but we do care.
0: (laughs) I do appreciate that, though. (laughs) That is the truth. Like, like you said, the community built up around the pages is something that's. That's pretty cool. And I've gotten to have, and I know you have had experiences and have been able to interact with people that in no way, shape or form would I have ever had that ability living in PA or you living, you know, in Michigan now, now in Charleston, I got to tell you, one of the things I was always super impressed with you was always doing videos out in the snow, you know, when you (laughs) were in Michigan, because I hate the cold weather. Like, you know, if it wasn't for a job, I wouldn't be in Pennsylvania. I wouldn't be in the Northeast at all. Um, and like you, I kind of always have these ideas sometimes. Then I'm like, ah, oh, you know what? That means I got to go outside. It's too cold. So like I literally shut down. Like my golf shuts down for three and a half, four months out of the year. Um, You're in a much better place right now where <laughs> your golf doesn't have to shut down, which believe me, Kat, I am super envious of.
1: It was crazy. We took my father-in-law. His Christmas gift was we bought him around at Wild Dunes. And so we were playing golf on christmas eve and it was the weirdest most fun feeling because you're like i grew up where normally even if it wasn't a white christmas it was probably 20 degrees so this right. is definitely not something we would have been doing and it was fun for my husband and i because my father-in-law was so ecstatic it was funny too though because he had been like i haven't swung a club since september so i'm not <laughs> sure how this is gonna go <laughs> yeah. and he did fun he did fine. we had a great round Uh, But it's just kind of funny to think I was golfing on Christmas Eve. And then Shane had a friend come down for New Year's and they went golfing on New Year's Eve. And it's just a weird thing when you grow up in the snow and you're the expectation of it being cold. And you're like, no, it's actually 70 degrees here. It's kind of awesome.
0: Yeah, no, I I understand. I just got um, two texts today with pictures of golf courses. My one, well, Mike, who caddies out on Corn Ferretor, was our last episode, uh, is in the Bahamas, and then our buddy Brent Grant got an invitation to the Sony Open, and he said, "How's nice. your, how, you know, how's your view today?" He's sending me a picture walking up eighteen. I said, Oh, "Thanks a lot, bud. I appreciate that."
1: <laughs> yeah, I got called out by my friends a few weeks after we moved because. I said something about the weather and basically all of my girlfriends were in this group text and they were just like, get out of here. We're kicking you out.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that's a good position to be in. Like, I can't wait till I am that guy, you know, sending those pictures back to friends.
1: It's <laughs> like, it's my turn.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Um, so, Kat, let people know how they can follow you and kind of what plans you have in store for the near future.
1: Yeah. So, my handle across channels is the Birds in the Teas, except Twitter, which is just Birds and Teas, because the Birds in the Teas is apparently too long for a Twitter handle, I found out. <laughs> um, and so, I played, I thought this was kind of funny, I played 21 courses in 2021. When I did my little year-end video, I was counting them up, and I was like, oh, well that's oddly like, nice. So, so that,
0: was, that wasn't planned?
1: That was not planned. Okay. I literally checked my count twice, and I was like, is that real? Really?
0: Are, are we planning 22 in 2022?
1: I mean, that would be awesome. Uh, I don't know if it'll happen, because that, that Charleston golf passbook that I mentioned got me onto a lot of courses at a discounted price, which helped a lot with that whole being able to play 21 courses right Um, but I definitely think that I want to play several new courses this year and right now I'm on pace that I've gotten to play pretty much every other week Uh, ideally I'd like to play every week so we'll see how that pans out
0: very, very cool. Those are some uh, those are some good goals for the year. Every week is is ideal.
1: Yes. And I might, depending on work, I was invited to go back to Michigan in May for the senior PGA championship, which is in Benton Harbor. And that's a course that we got married pretty close to there. And we looked at playing on our wedding weekend, but it's a little expensive and we didn't want to ask our entire bridal party to do that with us. So we ended up playing a course that was a little bit closer to where we were. And then we played the course that we got married at the day before the wedding.
0: Very cool. Very cool.
1: So we'll have to get to add a few more courses to my to-do list and make some more time.
0: Nice. Well, listen, I am, I for one, am super happy that we got the chance to kind of sit down and, and actually speak to each other like you know normal people instead of through texts and and dms and stuff like that um i wish you obviously the best of luck in the marriage i hope you two get a ton of golfing, and honestly i look forward to hopefully playing with both of you in the future
1: yeah we gotta get you down here
0: that is absolutely true (laughs) (laughs) all right people so either get busy golfing or get busy dying